Hi, my name is Knut Peterson. Thanks for coming, despite you not feeling 100%, but uh, I think you're looking okay. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Shannon, I was just wondering if you have any opinion about, uh, do you think the present uh, federal minister for the status of women has uh, anything in her bag that will improve things for women in Canada? <coughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, because I think she should be fired. Um, <laughs> um, I think a growing number of Canadians think she should be fired. Uh, no, um, they uh, they did do some small cuts to status of women uh, in the 2010-2011 uh, budget um, for the Women's Community Grants, uh, which is exactly the pot of money that Women's Space Resource Centre here in Lethbridge accesses, which if you've seen the front of the Herald, uh, Women's Space was turned down to their status women application for the first time in 25 years. Um, so uh, we, we had a feeling something was up when... Uh, she was doing all those uh, traveling across the country. Of course, one of those uh, adventures ended very badly in Charlottetown. But she was going across the country um, announcing really piddly projects for like $50,000, $70,000, $100,000 over three years, kind of really small amounts of money. That, to me, was a red flag that they were trying to highlight their spending on women's programs while cutting the heart out of them on the other end. And that's what they've done. My name is Van Christou. Uh, thanks very much, Shannon, for being here today with us, especially when you're not feeling well. And thank you for moving to Lethbridge. Uh, it's nice to have this type of opinion here. I was surprised today, having lived here all my life and uh, uh, being thinking that I'm fairly aware of what's going on in our society, to hear the great discrepancy that's there. And uh, to have that kind of an overwhelming discrepancy in, in the uh, income of, of women, particularly at the low end, the uh, single-parent mothers, for example, who are, who are trying to make a living and raise a couple of kids on it. Am I too close? Oh. Um, especially those, those uh, people are being hammered the hardest. And... Uh, and I've been very unaware of how, how great it's been. So thank you very much for your presentation with, okay. the, with that in, informative material. But my question to you is, uh, do you uh, have any hope that uh, things will, will change with so little information coming to us uh, from the press and, and, and from, gov from government, of course, but, but certainly uh, we don't even have a press that makes that obvious, where a person like myself, who is interested, can even have good information on a very important subject. Well, that's very true, and you know, things like cuts to the CBC don't help, and uh, and and you know, the sort of ongoing troubles of the newspaper industry in terms of actually being able to cover real things that matter to people. I think there there are uh, certainly challenges there, but um, where the media and government fail, sometimes the I can't believe I'm saying this, but the private sector sometimes picks up the slack. For example, I'll give you an example of that. In, Nova, in New Brunswick, uh, the private sector there started really pressuring government to do something about the wage gap between women and men because it was having an impact upon productivity, upon retention of skilled workers, uh, and upon um, 
because they're seeing so much, you know, aging population and so on, keeping women in the workforce and finding better ways to uh, balance work and life. And so they have a wage gap initiative and an anti-poverty strategy that are both quite enviable for the rest of the country. Um, and so, and they've done that not based on, you know, pressure from the media or, um, or e- even, I mean, I think it was sort of public pressure and quite frankly, the private sector saying, you know, we have some really very serious social problems here and we have also issues with our workforce that we can solve by having a wage gap initiative. So that's, that's, that's one thing that, you know, sometimes change comes that way, weirdly. Um, but uh, in terms of, of uh, what we can demand of, of governments and the media, actually, you know, it is really quite bad here in southern Alberta in terms of what we get from the, the, our paper of record down here at the Calgary Herald. The only real source of, of news is the CBC, and, you know, they're, they've been very seriously cut so that puts me, uh, I think, puts it back to uh, making sure that we are active citizens in our media and also that we're consuming good media. Alberta Views, yay, subscribe. <laughs> so. Well, I'm standing up. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try this mic, but if it, yeah, if, is it behaving better? Okay, because otherwise I was going to steal Shannon's mic. Okay, so um, as the uh, ex-executive director of Women's Space, at least for the time being, um, I spend a lot of my time doing income tax for low-income women. We've done this for eight or nine years. It's hugely important because it's the only way that women can actually access government benefits. So my question, Shannon, Mm -hmm. is um, do the much-touted tax cuts that have been going on since Harper came in in 2006. Um, are they useful? Do they have any impact at all on um, women-based clients, low-income, single mothers? Well, I mean, look, when you're, when you're living in low-income, you're very unlikely to be paying taxes in the first place. Uh, and if you are, you're in that kind of uh, twenty to $30,000 earning range. Depending on how many dependents you have, uh, you may or may not pay taxes. Um, and even then, it's going to be a small amount. Uh, tax cuts essentially gut the state's ability to deliver programs because they gut the most stable source of revenue that a government has, which is income tax. And so when you do very small tax cuts that nobody notices on their, the average taxpayer uh, doesn't notice those, but what you're doing is you're reducing your number of revenues. Uh, so you can't deliver social programs anymore, um, which then becomes a, that's why the right is very fond of tax cuts because then it gives them a built-in excuse to not fund anything um, on the other hand because they don't have any money. So, um, there's that aspect of giving a low-income person a tax cut. Is they're probably not paying taxes anyway. So, or they might get a few dollars back in terms of now they've introduced this working income tax benefit. I think it ended up that uh, last year when I filed, we got like an extra ten bucks or something. So it, it, they're meaningless on that level. Where you could, uh, what would make a difference for low-income people is to actually have a low-income strategy. 
started that through the child tax benefit. Um, we could have a provincial child benefit. We're on a, one of the only places that don't, which is essentially um, tied to income. And uh, if you're a low-income person, you get it whether you're in the workforce or not. Uh, it's more when you earn less. It becomes less as you earn more. Um, those kinds of strategies are in place in other provinces, in the Maritimes, in Ontario, and Quebec, and BC. We don't have it here, so there's a place to start. Now, uh, in terms of overall on tax cuts, it was interesting. I was listening to a guy named Greg Flanagan, who's also a research associate with Parkland, talk about the flat tax uh, that we have in Alberta, which is extremely regressive and, uh, and has cost the provincial treasury billions of dollars uh, in Alberta. It's one of the big reasons why we can't fund uh, appropriate social programs. And there was a survey that was done after the flat tax came in, and people uh, overwhelmingly did not notice at all. They got a tax cut. They didn't notice, which tells me that if you were to raise their taxes, they wouldn't notice either. <laughs> Hi. My name is Patty Johnson, and uh, it's good to see you, Shannon, and well done today, Thanks. and very informative. Uh, in your stats, we noticed that Quebec is doing quite well. So how, how does Quebec run their child care system? Could you explain that versus sure. Alberta's meager one? Thank you. So what they do in Quebec is they fund centers instead of funding parents. In many uh, countries like Australia... Uh, um, New Zealand, Canada, and the United States, what they do is they, uh, most provinces in Canada except for Quebec, they fund, uh, the funding follows the parent. So they give you a subsidy if you're low income. And so in Alberta, this is sold under the, the banner of allowing parents choice of what to do with their childcare dollars. What that means is that you can choose uh, a a day home or a child care center um, where you can take your subsidy um, if you're low income enough to uh, um, uh, be able to get a subsidy. Uh, but many of those places are not very good on quality because many of them are private for profit. So you've got a situation where you are um, essentially the government is giving you money and then transferring that money through the parent into the for-profit child care operation. That's how it works here. That's how it works in Australia, and it, um, it, it has cost their treasury billions. Uh, that system in Australia built a, a sort of big-box child care chain called ABC, which is expanding into Canada, uh, has identified Alberta as a target market because we have such generous subsidies. Um, and when ABC uh, went down in a massive blaze of glory uh, during the um, financial meltdown because they were a great big corporation, a whole bunch of parents found themselves without any childcare because their kids were being taken care of in a big box chain environment. So that's an issue, of, uh, and that's one way to fund childcare is you simply give low-income people a subsidy. Everybody else pays 800 bucks a month or whatever it is, which is a lot of money. Um, for any income, I'd say. But what in Quebec they do is the, the, they cut out the middleman and essentially they fund the centers directly. They fund nonprofit centers only. They're run by boards of parents, so they're a more democratic model of governance. And childcare, as a result, costs everybody seven bucks a day. 
So uh, we have a choice, and what we've cho- chosen to do is uh, have middling quality that we have no... Uh, I mean, there is accreditation and all of that, but I've seen, uh, when I was looking for childcare for my own kid, what accredited looks like, and there are some sweet treats out there, I tell you. Oh. <laughs> I could not believe what passed for accredited. Um, and on the other hand, you can just fund the centers directly. Government has a little bit more control over what it actually, what the actual standards are in those places. Um, and everybody has access to decently priced childcare. And you don't get any of this for-profit sort of massive transfer of public wealth into private hands. Hi. Um, it seems to me that. Uh, your name, oh, I'm sorry. Alan Gibson's my name. It seems to me that you're still somewhat requesting or or hoping that one day government is going to solve this problem. And it looks to me like in Canada, they've got a really, really crappy record of doing so. So I don't see that changing any time soon. And so my question is, is there a way to reframe this problem? Uh, The thought that occurs to me, and this is all new to me today, but the thought that occurs to me is if we were in America, somebody would have a class action lawsuit going on against the government of Alberta at this point in time. Claiming discrimination against working women, and they might have a case. It would seem to me, based on the statistics. So, you know, would you get broad support for the idea that women are being discriminated against, and that would be a way to make a lot more noise around this topic potentially? Yeah, certainly. Um, like I said at the end, ma- making the argument that that women still experience high levels of inequality in terms of a litigious avenue. In Canada, sadly, the charter doesn't include economic grounds, only grounds of gender. And so any time you bring in uh, an economic argument, the, the courts won't hear it. But it's a good idea, isn't it? Doesn't it sound nice, class action lawsuit? <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, and uh, quite frankly, I think this, this stuff is in our in our public institutions court. I don't know how else you're going to do it. Um, I mean, that, they're, they're the people who create the problem and they're the ones to solve it. Um, and so, but there are other ways to put pressure on government. Certainly when, uh, during the boom, there, you know, some people started wondering, what is this about Alberta that we have the lowest, uh, some of the lowest workforce participation among women in the 25 to 40? Maybe we should do something with childcare. There's some murmurs in the, you know, Calgary Herald business pages because of the, the, the pressure on private sector employers to, to retain and, and attract um, highly skilled workers. And so there, there is space for business, I think, to be making an argument for some of these investments too. And as we all know, governments are probably more likely to listen to those voices, um, although they can be made to listen to ours too. Uh, my name is Frank Toth, and I just uh, want to thank the lady, learned lady, for all these wonderful brainwashing <laughs> exploitation of our brains. What? How come <laughs> this is happening? I have gone out personally to the big box stores locally, and I've asked young women exactly how much money they're getting, what jobs are they at part-time, and the three biggest ones in town. I've run into ladies that are young women with two children working two jobs, part-time jobs. 
because they can't afford to pay for child care, okay? And your statistics clearly showed that we're second last in the world, literally in OCD countries, in child care support. Uh, adding to that, I want to just support your words now. Uh, our memory, if you're over 60, 70, 80, like I am, you'll remember that the Canada is the hockey hero of the world. And the last liberal government, they mm -hmm. passed, passed legislation with a $5 billion project for child care welfare across the country. What happened when Mr. Harper got in, when the liberals absconded with a little loot here and there? The first, first thing he did was throw out that legislation immediately and give these young women maybe $20 million across the country, $100 per child for child care. I have grandchildren. My grandchildren have two children. They're paying $1,400 a month for childcare for two. And again, may I add, our stature in the world, Hungary, I have sisters in Hungary that, uh, uh, that uh, country is totally destitute. The Germans raped them. The Russians come in, clean up the, the economic collapse. They're the third highest in the world for childcare. Is that something? Now the answer is, I've asked political leaders, so your question is? Yeah, the question is this, that how come Alberta can't afford this? I finally went to the Auditor General. I just got a letter two weeks ago. Okay. Now get this, get this. You people own the resources. We are getting $5.5 billion on, on natural gas, uh, selling at $4.70 or whatever. We are getting... One to nine percent on oil. We're transporting out three hundred and thirty thousand quarter third of a million uh, out of the country daily, daily, and so we are getting we got two point nine billion dollars on oil. Okay, I'm going to I'm okay. going to stop you. So we no, give okay, Shannon okay. a ch chance. Do you to know about your this? Do you know about this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how come our opposition leaders don't even tell us? So let, let's give her a chance to answer, okay? okay. Thank what you is, for... What, what are your stand on that? Yeah. What's your... It, so if you can take your seat and she'll answer, yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. you. You run a beautiful institution. <laughs> making these okay, reports. go ahead, Chan. Um, yeah, the Parkland has done a whole whack of research. They just revamped their website, so you can go and look at it, uh, on taxes and royalties and, and all of those issues. And, and quite frankly, yeah, through the tax system, we are giving away about $5 billion a year. Uh, and that's not to, to say anything of what's happening with the royalty situation. We've had a further giveaway now. Um, my view and the Parkland Institute's view is that um, royalties should be put away because they are uh, a rent on a diminishing resource. Um, those should be put away for a rainy day and that programs should be funded through the stable revenues of a government, which is income tax. Uh, of various kinds. Um, and so that's a thing. Um, but there, there, that's, that's part of it. Uh, certainly, when the feds canceled the child care agreements with the various provinces, that was a huge blow to creating an actual new social program in this country. Um, that would have changed a lot of people's lives. 
And I think only now we're sort of beginning to realize just how devastating that decision was. And this 100 bucks a month is not cheap for government either. I mean, that was a $10 billion decision they made to start cutting us all $100 checks. It's a lot of money. Uh, I, that 100 bucks is, tra- is, is taxable. We don't notice it. We've never noticed it in the 13 months, you know, we've had a baby. Um, and certainly, uh, we would have noticed high-quality child care for 7 bucks a day. <laughs> um, but uh, what child care does and what, and what changes to the workplace, I mean, because the idea for me of putting my kid in daycare for, from 8 till 5, 5 days a week is not all that appealing. What is appealing is to be able to do maybe four days a week, to have flex time, to have work sharing arrangements, to have those kinds of things worked into the labor code so that I don't have to make as many choices and we don't have to make as many choices as uh, we do now. And, and, the, and that's where I, I think the whole gamut of workplace policies need to be looked at. People need decent, affordable and high-quality childcare, for sure. But we need other um, ways of changing the workplace uh, to, to accommodate the reality of the, the two breadwinners in a family. In Alberta, I think we don't do it not because we can't afford it. Look at our health care system. We can afford a lot of things in our health care system, and we do. We find the money. We do it because I think more so than anything on this issue, there's an ideological um, uh, resistance to it. Uh, Iris Evans last year was speaking before the, uh, I think it was uh, Canadian Chamber of Commerce or one of those kind of outfits, and she talked about how uh, one parent at home is raising your children properly. She got herself in a little bit of hot water nationally for saying that. Okay, so what you're saying is that 75% of Alberta women or families are not raising their children properly. This is a fantasy world. Um, that if it was ever true that women just had the luxury to, or families had the luxury to have one person stay home, it's not true now. Um, so, and, and that view really does pervade those guys, they are mostly guys, in um, the Alberta legislature on the government side. Um, almost to a person, that's the view of the family, and it is so far off reality that you you got to wonder where these guys come from. When you get around for the premier, <laughs> when the people of this province will elect a new Democrat premier. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name's Tina Shingus Fancy, and I'm uh, with Woman Space. Shannon, can you just um, talk maybe about? how uh, individuals in, in the room here would be able to support women's space um, in terms of financially as well as um, uh, going out to uh, media sources in the community? Well, uh, I think it'd be a good idea to write. I'm going to be quick. I can see you look at your uh, <laughs> my peripheral vision. <laughs> I think it'd be a good idea to give Casson's office a buzz. Um, the more people he hears from in the community the more he can go um, to Helena Gregus's office and say, George's, and say, um, you know, what's going on here? Can you take another look at this? Um, and so the more uh, community outcry there is, I think, the better. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, it was on the front page of the Herald today that Women's Space 
uh, Resource Center, which served 825 women over the last 18 months, low-income women, um, has had their funding application for status of women turned down for the first time in 25 years. So uh, calling Rick Kasson's office is a good idea. Uh, I think even calling Gerges' office is a good idea. Um, I'm, she's the minister. She's the, minister. Helena, she's the one who's gotten herself in all kinds of problems. Um, I, I quite frankly think that phoning the provincial government and saying to them, look, uh, Mr. Reddick, you sit on some economic development uh, committee. How about uh, you have a look at this? These women teach financial literacy to low-income people. It's an identified priority by your government. Why don't you go to bat for them? Uh, and the final um, way to support, of course, is uh, well, letters to the editor and bucks. So uh, if you have some or if you work with an organization who does or a trade union or whatever, uh, the information for how to make direct deposits at First Choice Savings is in the Herald, or you can talk to Dorothy Utina. Terry Shellington, um, I appreciate very much your comments. Uh, thinking about how we got to this place as a province, um, I have a converse, so I'd like to express a commonly spoken view and invite you to respond to it. Where I have coffee and uh, hallway conversations, there's a lot of anger about special interest groups and, um, and um, pe people with, think they have special needs and using my taxpayer money to grab the microphone and and I think behind all that is some deeply rooted fear that <laughs> I have a fear I, I may be having coffee in the wrong place. However, there's, there's more than one coffee shop where that is expressed. And the feeling that uh, us good uh, folks who work hard and pay taxes, we're just being overrun by all these special interest groups, and it's totally out of balance. Do you like to comment? Totally. And that would include the status of women. Sure, absolutely. And all feminist uh, Oh, the terrible people. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that, yeah, sure, that, that's been a deliberate and strategic uh, discourse around uh, women, Aboriginal people, immigrants, whatever, uh, for 20-odd years. It reflects, I think, first of all, the fact that it is true that average people, particularly working uh, people of sort of lower middle income, tax burden has been shifted onto them from the wealthy. Totally true. And that's why I say, you know, when rich people not didn't notice the flat tax, maybe they wouldn't notice uh, having an, an appropriate taxation system um, either. Uh, and that, that is very much the case, that, that average working people are under, you know, so that, that, that goes some way to explaining the sort of angry white man kind of, you know, uh, phenomena, which I think ha happens. Um, and the, the other aspect of that is... That you can't, you, you just can't back away from it, right? I mean, what the women's movement did when, when, when government was pulled away from funding women's groups is they kind of went back and licked their wounds and stopped talking about these issues, and young women did too. And they can't do that anymore because if they want to live in a place where they're going to have some measure of economic inequality, it's not okay. So uh, there, there's just no other choice, I think. Um, and the other aspect of it is that the women aren't a special interest group. They are simply a group, um, or especially interesting. <laughs> but, um, 
No, they, they are simply a group for whom uh, different uh, life circumstances dictate different life chances. And, and, and therefore, you need specific policies to address those specific life circumstances. And different people have different circumstances. And when people care for children, have to take time out of the workforce, you need to have different social policies. Lots of good answers and lots of good information for us. So we'll go off and think about it, but I hope that we'll do more than think, that we'll take some action ourselves, each and, each and every one of us, and join together with other people who, who are concerned as well and make sure more people are concerned because you have some information they might not have. So a big thanks to Shannon for today.